Thank you, Mr. Vlad, for leading us. Um, you may you, take out your Bibles and uh, go to Acts uh, 14. Uh, that's where we are. That's the place we're at. And you can just keep your Bibles there in 14. Uh, and then uh, in just a few moments we'll read. But just to catch us up from uh, last week... Um, <coughs> Uh, Paul and Barnabas was uh, f uh, physically thrown out of the region of Antioch of Poseidon. Um, and so they traveled to Iconium in the Rom Roman province of uh, Galatia. Um, about Iconium, it, it's, uh, the city was um, located in, in Anatol Anatolia, in the months <laughs> in Monday in Monday Turkey and it was like 145 kilometers they had to travel 90 miles uh, southeast and so I, I just like maps so there's a bunch of maps there so uh, on your screen you can see um, if you just take the next map um, this is like the journey that they take. You can see they go to Cyprus, then they go inland there. And so we're going to have the third movement that they're going to make. Um, and so if you take the next slide also. Um, so they go. it's going to be from the red to the green, first little green. Um, and then the next slide, then, yeah, you see they get kicked out of Iconium. Then they go down to this little green, the little part, and then there are around in that area and then also go to Derby at some point. So, um, and here you have, um, um, it's an, they found, first they had a hard time figuring out where Lystra was. Um, and then they found an, an inscription talking about it. So this is a pillar from, from Lystra also with the name. But uh, let's go to read and then, uh, oh yeah, the, I titled it uh, A Poisoned Mind, and, and that will make sense as we go through. Uh, but let's read together so you can uh, look up in your Bible. And now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue, and they spoke in such a way a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But unbelieving Jews stirred up the, Greek, the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace by granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and some sided with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews um, with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and they fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Laconia and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul, Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand up on your feet. And he sprang up 
and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Laconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But Paul, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed in out into the crowd and crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you. And we bring to you good news that you should turn from you these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not um, leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seed seasons satisfying your hearts with food and with gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely retained, restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. This is the Lord's word. Praise be to God. Um, so you can just keep your um, your Bible open to 14. You just keep an eye on, and we'll go walk through it again and Look at what are the things that God has for us to be uh, be thinking about here. Um, so, so we see that they got kicked out. They come to a new city, um, but again, some of the things same happens. But but first we have first we have Barnabas and Paul using the same approach that has been used uh, so far. Is they they go into the synagogue. And they 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 speak their hope. They speak, they witness about Jesus. And it says in the text they spoke in such a way that many believe. So they go in there to speak in such a way that many believe. And it's not just the Jews, it's also the ones, the God fearers that we talked about before. So it's both peop both uh, groups believe. Now the problem is that not everyone believed. So as we've been seeing as a pattern as well, is that some of the unbelievers, they they make a coalition and start slandering. And I think it's such an interesting, and, and, and that's why I t titled it A Poisoned Mind. And we're going to dig into that a little bit, is that they start poisoning the mind. I mean, they, they start slandering, they start gossiping, they start, early on we saw they started arguing and contradicting. Even though they couldn't refute them, they start saying, like, undercutting them. So how is that done today? How can we poison people's minds against other people? I think you're probably mostly aware of this as well. We know from the Bible that gossip is like it's often mentioned as something that tears down and destroys. Gossip, talking behind people's back, lies about people, highlighting when people do something wrong, um, all sorts of uh, bias and prejudices uh, 
um, faith um, pushed to an extreme. Online shaming and bullying. Uh, a friend of mine had posted or had shared a post where a woman, uh, because of uh, a woman was writing that she had gotten uh, 43 death threats and a hundred people she had to block from her pay Facebook page because they had, they had they did not agree with what she did for a living. So she raised chinchillas for fur, and and so you, whatever persuasion you have about those things, it's very difficult, or it's I don't think it's possible to make a case that you could go and threaten those people on their lives. And just to see how deep this goes and how depraved people are, a lady, I think, was trying to encourage, wrote on there, of course I'm not condoning, I'm not condoning death threats, but, but because of what you do, you are a terrible person. So I'm not, con I'm not condoning death threats, but I'm still saying you're a terrible person. I don't, I don't see how that was encouraging at all. The person has just been threatened on their lives. But then, is if we, and then we look at. There's always like two <laughs> sides of a case or more. And then you see the people that probably were like me, like confused, like how can people threaten somebody's lives because of the occupation that you? And so some people nicely supported the lady, and but on the other side also came. Well, those people are crazy. There are many things I won't say here, and totally slandering back. So I think it's this very, this, the very illustration is that what I feel, I will create a coalition and make sure that the people I don't like, I will tell everybody else to hate them also. Um, it is a very strange behavior. And it's the antidote of what Paul and Jesus teaches. The call even for the believer is, and I know this is very high standard, you don't see it on Facebook, poison against poison, just that's just more poison. Jesus calls us to a totally different standard, and Paul agrees. People... Jesus says is in Matthew 5, bless, do not curse, pray for your enemy. And Paul, he agrees in Colossians. Let me just turn there and read that part. So Colossians, uh, oh, that's because that's a different part. That's the Thessalonians, not Colossians. That's too far. Um,
That is a different. Okay, but it's there, there somewhere. I can't find it. It's somewhere. Is it? Where is it? And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to indeed this you are called in one body, and be thankful. So that we have the peace of Christ not to retaliate at people, but to bless people when they are actually persecuting us. <sighs> then I was going into this, think about, is it only other people that poisons our minds? So can we actually do this ourselves? And maybe actually that's where I... Um, the thing I just read. I do think we can poison our soul and heart ourselves. You might ask, well, why? Well, we can fill our heart and our soul with all sorts of other things. And even as, as uh, also Vlad was praying, if we believe all sorts of the other things about the world, that we can find, find, find fulfillment in all sorts of other things, and we'll put trust in fame or money or whatever it is. That's a way that we would poison our minds. One of the thought patterns is like, if I would just have this, I'll be more fulfilled, more complete, I'll be more happy. If I just had that, or if life just looks like that. But that's not based on being made in the image of God or trusting in Jesus. We're called to be have a renewed mind instead. Seeking, reading God's word, praying. Praising God instead of ourselves and being renewed, renewed by Jesus. The, just going back to the text, you know, like, <laughs> so these people are being persecuted. They're slandering them saying all sorts of bad things about them, and they really want to, like, hurt them. So what does Paul and Barnabas do? They, they leave. No. <laughs> it says in 3, they don't slander back. Like last time, they don't slander back. But they stay for a long time. That's a very opposite of, like, oh, we're scared, we're going to run away. You know, they stay for a long time, and they speak boldly the word of the Lord. Just what... Jesus had called them to do, to be his witnesses and be the witnesses about the word, seeing God's word work. The word that John calls Jesus. He calls him the Logos, the beginning of all things. They were speaking about that word. And God shows them his grace and his mercy and he grants people to be healed and he grants people to become believers he pours out his grace and love of the people there in Abconium. And he's letting Jesus be witnessed about. But as we talked about before, the, the people in the city are divided. Some support the apostles and some support the unbelievers. The coalition comes together and they... They, they, I don't, I don't know if they have the meeting or join up in a group and they talk about it, but it, it leaks what they want to do. They want to insult and mistreat them just like they've done, but now it's, it's, it's escalated into murder. They want to kill them now. They're planning to stone them. And just being reminded about James 1, 13 to 15, that 
sin is our selfish desires that bubble up. And when they are fully formed, they become sin and sin leads to death. So just as I talked about people coming with death threats on social media, people torn themselves, controlled by their own desires, not God's desires, their own desires, unable to refute Paul and Barnabas, now are going to want to kill them. Sin leads to death. Their selfish desires are grown and now they want to kill them. But Paul and Barnabas, they hear this and they flee. They flee from there and so they flee to Lystra and Darby. So first they come to Lystra and they go to the whole surrounding area and they continue to speak and witness about their greatest treasure, Jesus. So just a little info about Lystra. The city is at the ancient site of modern Lachik. And it's, it's, it's marked by a mound called Sule Hulkigum. And it's a city. Um, uh, it, it doesn't look like that they, or from the story, it doesn't seem like they have a synagogue, which would make sense because it seems like it's only pagans. Um, and something I didn't understand for a long time, a lot of commentaries have said there would be some language problems here. And we can see that in the text, which I just got a few not that long ago, is that they're speaking in uh, their own language, in Lystrian. So there's some things. Is there confusion of language here? Um, so mainly, mainly, uh, or probably a lot only, uh, what is it called? Gentiles, not Jews. Uh, no synagogue. So, so we have this, we have this, Encounter where they uh, seem like they just got in through the city. They're just around the beginning of the city, and and they're talking to people. and And Paul looks at this man intently, and he can see that that man has faith to be made made whole, be made to be saved, and be healed. And so, <laughs> Paul stares at the guy. Must be kind of interesting, <laughs> interesting, um, interesting encounter. And he just says to him, get up. And the guy gets up and he jumps around and makes us maybe think back to when when Peter and James was going to the temple and the the, the beggar says, Do you ha- can I have some money? And they say, we don't have money, but get up and walk. So kind of the same thing happens there. But then we have this whole totally different response than we had in Jerusalem, uh, where in Jerusalem everybody was praising God except they were putting them into jail. But... um. Here uh, we see the locals, the Lystrians, they're like, what? The gods has come down. And they start uh, from heaven. They, they, they call Barnabas Sos uh, and, uh, and, and they call um, Paul Hermes because he's the one speaking the most. Or if you have a different translation, it's Jupiter or Mercury uh, in the, um, ro- um, uh, Roman, Roman names. And the uh, Seuss priest, he's like, he gets the reeds ready and he's ready to make a parade and offer oxen to Paul and Barnabas. And there's this, there's a time of confusion and maybe it's because of the language thing here. I, I'm not sure. Um, 
But we see the response there is totally different in Herod. Remember Herod, like, oh, I am so great. The people, people kind of worship him or mock worship him, whatever. They, but he receives praise. Paul and Barnabas does not at all. They're not like Herod at all. They yell and they, they, they tear their clothes up here and yell at them and run in. It's like, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? We're just people of the same nature as you guys. We're just people. We didn't heal this guy. Jesus healed this guy. He's the, the, guy, the one who, the one true God healed this person, the one we're witnessing about. Looking at the today and then, and you know, come back to it, this, this myth, myths in culture and idols in culture, and just look at what happens to people today if they get worshipped. Worship is always going to break people because people cannot handle being worshipped. And the people that worship people will also be broken. Because people weren't made to be worshipped. You can look at countless celebrities of all sorts. And in the Bible, you can look at Solomon. All these people seem to have everything. Everything that most people strive for. All the money they need. All the fame they want. But in most cases, it seems like it destroys them. How many of them has alcohol problems, drug problems? How many of them have affairs? How many of them have destroyed families? Solomon was the smartest, clever, uh, the, the most intelligent person, richest person. His life still went astray. It's proof that we cannot trust in those things. Nothing created is worthy of worship. Only Jesus is, and he is God, uncreated. Nothing else can or should receive worship as God. And then we have the whole thing, it's like, have a conversation like, well, Jesus never said he was God. Well, this actually proves the fact that he is, or actually that he said he did. Thomas worships him. At the ascension, he receives worship. The women at the tomb worship him. Jesus receives worship because he is worthy. Jesus got killed because he said he was God. Why is it then this, uh, in all the myths, but even in our new culture, we say, like, we're so smart. But then why is it that in our culture, we start worshiping things that are created. Um, in the prophets, we have we have the prophets making fun of people that they take a piece of wood, they make a god out of one part, and then they use the other one for uh, heating the house. So it's all, it's obviously there that the the prophet is making like making them people look foolish. And later on, we're going to have some riots, and, and there's going to be a silversmith saying that, 
oh, but God's made the Paul and Paul's going and saying that God's made by hand are not God's at all. I was like, no, they're not. <laughs> but he was making money off of it. So, but, but these cultural and mythical tr- 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 um, traditions, um, what does that look like in our culture? In their culture, what people think is that what's happening here is that in that region, there was such a dominance of like a story about the gods coming down. And and then if you honored them, they would bless you. And if you didn't, they would punish you. And then you're like, yeah, but we don't believe in that. You know, we don't believe that now. But what about in our days then? Then why do we still have tendencies to worship the, worship the created things? You might say, oh, I don't worship. No, no, but what do you really put your trust and value and worth in? What, what, do you, what is it that sometimes you trust actually more? Is it because it's something we can see and touch? Is that easier for us to trust? Is it trusting in 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 food, money, and power, influence, our phones, our technology? Is that what we put our put our trust in? Could you put your trust in me in me instead of Jesus? Like pastors, worship leaders, sport people, uh, artists. Do we sometimes like long for them? Not, maybe we say we don't worship them, but we are trusting them. We're living our faith through them instead of living our own faith. And then the tendency to worship them. Do we look to like uh, famous people to validate us of being a Christian? Like we sometimes maybe we say, oh, that person became a Christian. Oh, that's a famous person. Oh, that band, the person, that band there is a believer. Or that doctor or that artist is a believer. I mean, anyone who's a believer, we were, <laughs> we're excited that they're part of the family. Uh, the issue is, like, do we... Are we at... Are we at... Um, are we trusting in, in things that we shouldn't be trusting in? Are we more joyful with it when it's people of power and influence that becomes believers than anybody else? Does this show that it, we are in danger of seeking the world's approval more than trusting in God? Is that why there's kind of, there's also like a celebrity culture within the Christian faith? In the old days, and as we will see in Acts, James already died. He would be famous. But he would be famous because he was dead. The Greek word for witness is martyr. The famous people were the dead people. They didn't gain jet planes, money, wealth, have many wives and girlfriends, and dishonored God. No, they lived their lives to the fullest witnessing and dying for what they believed in. I think I mentioned this before, that it seems that we have a tendency that we want to look for somebody 
that is almost superhuman or super superhero. So I'm not a like superhero person, but some people are very excited about those movies and things. But but why do we have that urge? And I think it's a good urge, but it's never going to be counted in a person because there's no one who is perfect except Jesus. So the longing we have is supposed to lead us to Jesus, not to other people and not to worship other things. Because Jesus is the only one who's worthy of worship. And you might say, why do we have a tendency to worship other things? Well, because if we don't worship Jesus, we worship other things because we are created to worship. As human beings, we are created to worship. But then what do we worship? Yet we, just, we find other things to worship if it is not Jesus. Interesting part is like how do the world treat idols and superheroes? Some renovate them and worship them. But just like we saw or I talked about in Facebook earlier and what we see in the synagogue, there's division. There's division again. In this world, somebody's like, this is the fame, this is the most best person in this sport or something. And people will be like, oh, I'm so honest. And then you will be people slandering that person, saying that person is terrible and all sorts of things. So some people would say, this is a great person. And other people would use all their energy to tear that person down. So some people would worship a person, some people would use all their mm, things to tear it down. Shows how divided we are inside. And also that there's only one who is worthy of our worship. Paul calls us just as the Lystians, he calls them to say, turn from these things of worshiping people. It's actually condemnation from God. Paul writes in Romans 1, Because you do not want to thank God for all the things he's done. You start worshiping created things instead of the creator who is blessed forever and amen. Condemnation. Because we are not, because as humans we decide not to worship God. But worship his creation. We become darkened. Paul says there is no excuse. We don't have any excuses. Paul said that before they had excuses, now they have no no excuses. They, and even in the old days, they didn't have excuses because you got rain. You got good seasons of food. And he, in Romans, he's tightening. He tightens it up in Romans. One is that you have absolutely no excuse. Most people are not comfortable with these verses, but Paul says clearly you have no excuse. You have turned away from God because you did not want to praise and thank him because you can clearly see that God has made everything. There is only one true God to receive our praise and honor. But when we choose to be our own gods or choose other gods, then we start worshiping them in our own condemnation leads to break them and break us. And also in these cases, it leads to violence and to death. 
In this case, Barnabas and Paul, they just barely stopped them from making these sacrifices. So like, you can't sacrifice to us. We're just humans. You got to stop this nonsense. This folklore things. But just like we just mentioned before, like, but I don't, I don't believe in those myths. You say, no, but what is it that in your culture, in our culture, that we so easily put our hope in? Like security, comfort, sex, sex, indulgence. If I just had enough power, enough money, uh, freedom to do everything I want. Or even the notion of like, I deserve. I deserve. I deserve to be God. Worshipping ourselves. The God in the mirror. I am God and I should be worshipped and thanks. But we don't say that. But maybe we have it as an attitude sometimes. And that's counter what we encounter here. Barnabas and Paul totally rejects worship. They don't even say that like, oh yeah, maybe we should just have the ox for you and we'll explain it afterwards. No, they don't. They rush in there. Tell them to stop doing it and turn to the real God. Are we as good as that? Do we linger in like, oh, it's so good to be praised? Or do we give that praise to God? And when somebody says anything about us, our hearts doesn't get inflated, but we let that praise, uh, we, pr- we, we carry that as praise and worship to Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, it's okay you want to be great. It just looks so much different for you to be great. Being great is not about power and money and influence. It's about serving everybody else, as I've showed you. I came to die for you. I served you the whole way. So this, I think, is the chapters. It's a, and today, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a moment to stop to think about what do I really treasure and desire. Because we know it should be Jesus. But where is the money trail, as we call it? Where is the time trail? Where does the time and the money go? Where does my thinking go? Where does my prayers go? Are they mostly about comfort and my concerns? Or are they about cultivating my relationship with God to become more like him for his honor and his glory, that I'll worship him even more and treasure him even more? But this is also, this is also such a time for you, like, I don't, I don't have those problems. It's fine, great. The time for you is to give so much thanks to God because all the things He's already done in you. It's a time where you pour out in spirit and truth worship to Jesus as a Lord, God, and Savior. As we ask the Holy Spirit to buy and to, to implant in us the words of Jesus. That he's the one we live and worship for. So we look at this. 
And Paul and Barnabas also said it to the people. God sent Jesus to save us from our sin and the wrath of God and to be adopted into his family. God shows us his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ comes and dies so that we can have life in his name. Jesus is the only one who lived the perfect life. Nobody else did. He's also the only one who sacrificed himself for others on our cross. I met a man today, <laughs> I met a man today who said he, said, he said he was, he said he believed he was better than Jesus and I just had to say to him, no, you're not. Jesus is the perfect one. He's the one our soul longs for. He's the one that we're created to worship. Jesus died for our pain, shame, and guilt. But he didn't stay dead. Because three days later, he rose again, conquering Satan, sin, and death because he was and is the perfect one, the one who came so we could be reconciled to God. That is a witness that Paul and Barnabas are bringing that no matter what ethnic group you're from, that the salvation is for everyone who believes in Jesus' name. And so we can comfort and encourage one another. I know maybe some of us are like, oh, this is so hard today, like many things to think about. Yes, but those things should lead us not away from God, but to God. When my thoughts and things and minds become just about me, it's going to destroy myself because I can't be God either. And it's going to overcome us by worry and all those things. But do we give those things back as we trust and savor Jesus? And we can look back in our lives and see how much he's done. And he's like, it's not because of me. It's because of what you've done. And what when I die to myself, and as we talk about in the last many weeks, the call and what I just said is free. Like Jesus comes, it's free. You can believe in his name. It's free. Salvation, reconciliation, adoption is free. All it costs or all it is, it's, it's faith in Jesus' name. But it's, it's going to cost you everything because you're not your own anymore then. Then it's going to cost everything, and everything about who you are has to die, and Jesus comes to life in you. New creation, new life. That's the invitation, into new abundant life, but it will be with Jesus through us as he sanctifies us to become more like him. So it's all, salvation is all free, but it's going to cost you everything about yourself. Nothing more is yours. They're all given over. You can't be like, this is mine. No, everything is Jesus's if you accept to follow him. And then he is your greatest treasure and cultivating a relationship with that so we don't worship all sorts of other things. So I invite you to pray.
praise Jesus out there. As you're a believer, you see these things that are true in you. You see you fail sometimes. There's no condemnation in Christ. We repent and turn to Jesus. Give those things to Jesus and you'll be glorified in that. As you as the unbeliever, you just heard the way of salvation. Paul says today is the day, today is the day of salvation. If you believe, put your faith and trust in Jesus. Just know it's going to cost you everything. But then come and follow Jesus into true, new, eternal life with him forever that starts right now. He's the only one worthy to be praised. And Lord, help us to not have our minds be be so darkened that we start worshiping ourselves and other created things. But Jesus, you be our treasure that we worship and praise to the honor of the Father. So we thank you and we praise you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come in and plant Jesus' words in our hearts, minds, and lives. Lord, I pray for your grace and your mercy to do that day by day. Lord, you know how easy it is for us to trust in ourselves and our abilities and our gift and our skills. How maybe it's easier for us to receive worship for your gifts, but to ourselves. How easy it is for us to want to be treated like gods. Lord Jesus, I ask that you help us by your spirit to humble ourselves and to see that Jesus, you are Lord. Lord, you're our master. You're our savior. You are the only one worthy of worship to the glory of the Father. So we praise you and you on you. Pray for anyone who's just confused out there, Lord. I pray for your Holy Spirit to convict sin, righteousness, and judgment that people would give their lives to you, Jesus, as you have offered them. God, thank you. We praise you for this time together. Um, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so questions, comments, different things. We have the Bible study group also, um, prayer requests, different things. So I want to thank the guys up there, um, uh, Paul, um, Vlad, and Abel. Um, so give them a big hand also. Um, so yeah, any, anything else, you can contact us uh, through the email or text or something. So... Yeah, you may stand up for the benediction. Now the God of peace who brought from the blood, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us where it's pleasing to him through Jesus Christ whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. May you have a fantastic, lovely week, and uh, we will see, or you will see us next week. God bless.